Well, we are in part three of this message series that we're calling The Road Ahead. And the, the main idea behind the series is that we're just basically acknowledging something that you already know, which is it is impossible to know exactly what's on the road ahead. But while that might be true, we don't have to just sit back, throw up our hands, and let life happen to us. But instead, there are some attitudes we can change. There are some things we can do so that we are better prepared and ready for whatever might be next. And in the series, what we're doing is we're taking a look at five things that will help you to be ready for whatever the road ahead might bring. So as we get into week three today, I want you to think about a very specific trip that many of you have gone on and many American families with kids have made. In fact, if you're an American, I think almost every single family with kids have at least talked about going on this particular trip. Do you have any idea of what trip I'm talking about? I hear it. It's the only answers I heard. Yes, you got it. Well. Disney World, a trip to, to Disney. Now, for most families, this isn't a trip that you can just quickly decide to go on and then go, that because of how much it costs and how long you're going to be gone, for some families, it's something that you plan for, for most, for a year, for two years, maybe even longer. I want you to imagine that's what your family did, that you were planning to take the family to Disney World and the day that you were going to road trip to Orlando, Florida, finally came. You're road tripping to the happiest place on earth. And so you've got your favorite beverage in the cup holder. You've already had the obligatory argument with your spouse about how much stuff do we actually need to bring on this trip and whether it's going to actually fit in the car. You fit it in there. It's all in, okay? Your daughter is sitting in her car seat with her Elsa dress on because she's excited. Your son is sitting in his seat already watching something on his iPad and you're pulling out onto I-35 and you decide you're gonna do something a little bit different. You're not gonna follow any directions. You're not gonna use a map. You're not gonna even use GPS. What you're gonna do as you get out onto I-35 is you're going to just follow wherever the traffic takes you. Let me ask you a question. If you have no direction, will you end up at Disney World? And most of you listening to this are thinking, that's a really dumb question. The answer is obvious, isn't it? It would be the biggest thing of luck if you had no direction, but just followed wherever the traffic was going from Minnesota down to Florida, that you would actually make it to Disney World. It just wouldn't happen, which leads me to our first fill-in for today that's going to kind of guide our message today. And it's this, that your direction, not just your intention, determines your destination. 
that in fact, maybe I'd say it a little bit stronger than that. Your direction, way more than your intention, determines where you actually end up. I mean, think about the Disney trip. You had every intention of going to Disney. You planned for it. You saved for it. But it takes more than just your intention to get there, doesn't it? Your direction more than just your intention determines your destination. What's true about road trips is also true about our lives. Let me talk about life for a moment. One of the most amazing parts of being a follower of Jesus is that while there are a lot of things about the road ahead that we don't know, that if you're a Christian, you can be absolutely confident where the final destination is going to be. That because of what Jesus did for you on the cross, that you know where the road ahead ultimately is going to lead. I'll say it this way. Your road leads to an eternity with Jesus in heaven. It's an amazing gift, guys, that God has given to us. And not only does it give us something to look forward to, but in the meantime, before we get there, it gives us an amazing amount of peace. Because what's the worst thing this world could give us? Death, sickness, just a doorway to heaven. There's an amazing amount of peace knowing where the road ahead ultimately leads. I love uh, Paul, a first century pastor, how he wrote in uh, his letter to the Philippians about how he was torn between whether he was going to live or die because his life was under attack. And he said, he said, I'd, I'd rather go to be with Christ, which is better by far, but He also thought, you know what? It seems as if the Lord's gonna keep me here because I have work to do yet here. That's the heart and the joy that a Christian can have every single day. But that destination is not the one that we're gonna be focusing in on today. You see, between today and that final destination of heaven, there's a lot of other little destinations that we hope we hit with our life. Other goals, other um, aspirations for life. Maybe it has to do with, uh, for you younger people, getting married someday. Maybe it has to do with your family. Maybe it has to do with work or career or vacation. There's all these other little destinations along the way. Those are the destinations that I wanna talk to you about today. And here's something that I've observed, that there is often a disconnect between our intention, where we hope we end up between here and heaven, and our direction. There's often a disconnect between those two things. What do I mean? Well, let me give you some examples, and there's way more than what I can give you today, but this will get your wheels turning a little bit. So uh, how about this one? My intention in life is to have a close, tight-knit family. I hope to have the type of family that when the kids grow old and they don't have to come home, they still want to come home. (laughs) But in the meantime, I'm going to work way more than I need to and take every single extra job that I can um, so that I'm not actually around the family very much. 
Or how about this one? My intention is to marry a strong Christian man or a strong Christian woman. But in the meantime, I'm going to say yes to just about anyone who asks me out, as long as they're cute and a good time. Or how about this? My intention is to have a great relationship with my spouse. I want to be that, that couple who holds hands on the beach even into their 80s. And we're going to work on it once the kids get out of the house and I have some time to prioritize my husband or prioritize my wife. Or how about this one? My intention is to give my kids a strong Christian foundation. I want, I want us to be um, a family that revolves around Jesus and, and, and the church. And we're going to do that. Once soccer's over, well, then basketball, um, baseball, dance, soccer again, basketball. You see, there's so often, for every single one of us, I'm included in this. It's been a convicting week for me too, that there is a, a gap between our intention and our direction. And guess which one of those two things are going to win out most often? Not the intention. It's the direction. I'll say it this way. Intentions are nice, but much like a Disney trip, direction determines your destination. And there are definitely some things about the road ahead that even if we have as good of a direction as we can that are totally out of our control. But hear me out for a moment, because I think this is true. Next slide. Sometimes you end up in a certain place because that's where you are headed in the first place. Sometimes you end up in life exactly where your direction was taking you, right? You end up in a certain place because that's where you're headed in the first place. And it shouldn't be a mystery where we ended up because that's the direction we took. And all the intention and the hopes and the goals that we have, if they're just aspirations and we're not heading in the direction towards them, you're not going to get to Disney World going north on I-35. The, the book of Proverbs is a, a book that has just a whole bunch of wise sayings. Many of them, most of them, were written by King Solomon, who is known to be uh, the, the smartest, the wisest uh, man who ever lived. Here's a verse that kind of connects to all of this. In Proverbs 14 Solomon writes that the simple, the naive, the, the simple-minded, the impressionable, the simple believe anything and they just go along with the traffic wherever the traffic is taking them. This is what everyone does in our culture, so that's what we're going to do. The simple believe anything, but the prudent, the wise, the wise give thought to their steps. quiet, because this hits all of us, doesn't it? Every single one of us. And here's the thing. Your heavenly father doesn't want you to suffer in life because in part, our direction was taking us into a place that we never wanted or intended to be. He doesn't want us to suffer because of choices we make that are leading us 
in the wrong direction. So what I want to do with the rest of the time we have together is to dig into some other words of God that really talk about the importance of following God's direction. And they're written by a first century leader in the church named James. Now, James happens to be uh, also famous for something else. He was actually the half-brother of Jesus because his parents were Mary and Joseph, and Jesus' parents were Mary and God, right? So he was the half-brother of Jesus, and his letter that he wrote, uh, frankly, is not one that if someone was new to the Bible, I would not point them to read James first, because I think without a solid foundation of who Jesus is, it could be kind of a confusing book. James wrote with a very specific context in mind. He was writing to a group of people who already knew salvation. They, he, they already knew that Jesus was the one who gives heaven and forgiveness as a gift. But here was the problem. This group of people started to use that free forgiveness as kind of a reason or an excuse for living however they wanted. Free grace, free forgiveness can often, still today, 2,000 years later, lead us to maybe cheapen grace a little bit because it is so easy for us, although, of course, it cost Jesus so, so much. And so in the section we're going to look at these verses, James writes about the importance of putting God's word into practice. James 1 verse 22 goes like this. He says, don't merely listen to the word, the word of God specifically, and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. James is saying that simply listening to God's word in some ways is not enough. And if all you do is listen, but don't put it into practice, it's pretty strong. It says you're deceiving yourself. Let's go to verse 23. See, anyone who listens to the word but doesn't do what it says is someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself, goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. What uh, James is describing is someone <clears throat> who is listening to a sermon or reading the Bible and as they read something that they needed to hear, they're like, oh, wow, that's good. Oh, wow, I needed to hear that. Oh, wow, I should do that. Oh, wow, I should change that. Oh, wow, I can see what God means there. And after their oh, wow moment, they close the Bible and just continue to live the way they did. Totally forget about what they read. After that, oh, wow moment, I know this would never happen to a group of Christians that go to North Cross. After they listen to a sermon, they go home and they totally forget about the oh, wow moment that maybe happened in that message. Now, if that's ever happened to you, you're in good company because it's happened to every single one of us. But James is writing to us to remind us that's not good. <laughs> he says it's, it's like getting up in the morning Immediately going, heading into the bathroom, 
looking at yourself in the mirror after you just got up and going, oh, wow. And your hair is all disheveled and you've got sleep on the corners of your eyes. You've got this big crease on the side of your face from how you laid on the pillow and your eyes are bloodshot and you've got those bags under your eyes that seem to get bigger as we get older. And you're like, oh, wow. And then you just do nothing and head to work. Why do you go to the mirror? The mirror drives you to action. And in fact, some of you have spent hundreds of dollars on oh wow fixing products that are all over the top of your vanity in the bathroom, right? We stay there, many of us, in front of the mirror until the oh wow, and we've done something about it, right? And what James is saying is that we should do the same thing when it comes to looking in the mirror of God's word. I'm going to say it this way. It's, it's our second fill-in for today, that it's, it's good to hear, meaning God's word is good to hear. It's good to hear, but it's not good to only hear. That it's better when we put God's word into practice. We need to do something about what we see one of the things I want to point out, though, is that this can be absolutely overwhelming. Because when I look at my heart and when I look at my life in a mirror, there are always things that I know I need to fix, that I tried fixing, that I've been trying to fix for a really long time. See, there's different types of things that mess us up. You go to the mirror in the morning and there might be a crumb on your face. That's easy to take off. But then there's <laughs> these wrinkles on the sides of my eyes that when I smile, everyone can see them and I could stare at them forever in the mirror. Nothing's gonna take it away. I can't really get rid of them. And if I focused on how I could get rid of those things, well, it would lead me to despair. But if you can relate to anything I just said, I want to give you some good news because instead of leading you to despair, I want your wrinkles that you see in your hearts to lead you instead to Christ. You, you can't ever have a perfect reflection in the mirror, not on your own. But what we come to celebrate, why we come to celebrate, why we come here with joy is that in spite of the wrinkles I cannot get out, God loved me and Jesus cleaned me up. Ah, I've got things I need to clean up but I'm not gonna get it perfect. Jesus has cleaned me up. And that, that same Paul that 
I talked about earlier, uh, if he wanted to sort of stare into the mirror of his past, guess what? It would have absolutely led him to despair because he had a colored past that you can read all about for yourself in the book of Acts. I mean, he was a Christian murderer. He would have been in despair. But then he came to know Jesus. And here's what he wrote to some Corinthian Christians. He wrote, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, and I did a deep word study in the Greek on the word anyone, it's the word tis, and the deep root meaning of tis is, get this, anyone. If you're a longtime Christian, it includes you. If you're someone brand new and have kind of been running from God all your life, this includes you. If you're someone with a long laundry list of things that you're feeling guilty about, it includes you. It includes you. It includes me. Anyone. If anyone in the world is in Christ, that means in the sphere of faith, has a relationship with Jesus. For if anyone is in Christ, he's made new. He's brand new. He's a new creation. The old has gone. The wrinkles God doesn't see anymore. The new is here. It's like the extreme makeover that we're all looking for and makes us really 29 again or better. You see, if we were to focus on finding peace and cleaning ourselves up, it's not going to work. Although our sin is great, Jesus' love is greater. And now we follow Jesus' direction, but it's not because we have to. Oh, wow. It's why. Because we want to. We want to live as those new people and have new priorities, and have new focus, and have new purpose, and make decisions, not just aspirations, but direction in our lives that will lead us to those things. Let's go back to our verses in James 1, verse 25. You see, whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom, that seems to be a statement that doesn't make sense The law gives freedom. You know what my teenage self would say about God's law when it comes to uh, relationships and dating and life in general? It doesn't give freedom. It makes life more difficult. It takes away my fun. (laughs) But you, you know what this means? It means God in his ultimate wisdom, he knows actually what is going to bring more fulfillment, more joy, more peace. And when we follow God's direction, it actually frees us from the chains and the shackles of what a sinful uh, aspirations will ultimately bring. Because anytime we go outside of God's direction, it may not be in the moment, but ultimately it does not bring us the peace that we're looking for. So the law actually gives us freedom. So anyone who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues it in it, not forgetting what they've heard, but doing it, 
they will be blessed in what they do. It means um, fortunate, well off. Let me be clear. This doesn't mean happy all the time. Following Jesus doesn't mean you have less problems in life or less problems than the people around you. You might have more. Following Jesus' direction for life and and living in that direction doesn't mean that things are always going to go well for you. You know what it means? It means you're going to be blessed. You see, God gives us direction in lots of areas of life. How to act as a married person. How to act as a child. How to act at work. He gives us direction for what to do when someone offends you or hurts you and whether you should just allow that to drive a wedge or whether you should apply something called forgiveness and work towards reconciliation. He gives directions in what the purpose of our life should be. And what James is saying is that it may not be easy when you follow that direction, but when we do, when we set a chart, that has a course that is the direction of God and his will, ultimately, it's going to be better. Number three. See, God wants something for you that's better than instant gratification or happiness right in the moment or pleasure in the moment. He wants you to be blessed. And sometimes that peace, that joy, that contentment, that fulfillment, that health of a relationship, you don't actually get to sometimes experience the fruits of that for years down the road. Because, well, what oftentimes we need is not a quick fix. This is is not a duct tape type of message. That's my go-to because it's quick and it works in the moment and then it doesn't. But instead what we need is a new direction and it takes time sometimes. It's not gonna change overnight. It's not a quick fix solution. But when we head south on I-35 and when we follow the direction most likely you're going to end up somewhere close to Disney World. See, your direction, as we said, not just your intention, determines your destination. That gives us a lot to think about today, doesn't it? In fact, your application for today, your take home is, I just want you to wrestle with this question because I don't know, of course, how this message hits you. I just know that it does in one way or another. So here's the question. Number four, is the road you're on going to take you where God wants you to be? And how 
do my hopes and my dreams and my goals mesh with what God desires for my life? It's a good thing to think about. Where might we need to tweak our direction a little bit? Not that we can control the future, we can't. But it is true that direction, way more than just intention, will determine your destination. We can't control what's on the road ahead, but you and I have been given by God the ability to set a direction. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this, uh, these words from James that you inspired that remind us of how important it is that we not only hear your word, but that we put it into practice. Lord, as we work to do that this week and uh, over the coming months, uh, Lord, we know that we're not gonna get it right. And for that, we thank you that you have gotten rid of our wrinkles through Jesus' death and resurrection and that we are new creations. But in the meantime, Lord, you give us opportunity to do some tweaking. And I pray that this message hits every single one of us in a way in which uh, we don't just look in the mirror, say, oh, wow, <laughs> and then go home and forget about it, but that uh, we tweak our direction. Maybe it's a schedule thing. Maybe it's a priority thing. I don't know what it is, Lord, but I just pray that you be with your people this week as we consider it. Pray all this in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen.